Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up and welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a Whitley comic book podcast brought to you by the good folks at King's Comics in Sydney. Should you ever find yourself in the city that we live in, which is Sydney, head to 310 Pitt Street, Sydney, and uh, that's where you'll find King's Comics. It's also where you'll find every single comic that we talk about in this episode. Absolutely. This episode is late and it's both of our faults. Correct. Mostly, it's our children's fault. Just blame your children. Absolutely. They're a nightmare. dumb, dumb kids. What an idiot. I did. So I listened. I listened to. I actually listened to most of last week's podcast. <laughs> and I have notes. Um, the first one thing is that you referred to an all ages Spider Man comic as Spider Man for dummies. Is that what you say about all things for your children? Ah, oh, it's like human stuff, but for dummies. Yeah. Yeah. My other notes. No, but you remember those books that were like windows for dummies? Yeah, that's how I learned how to do crosswords. So I learned how to open windows. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like that. It's like, you know, baby's first Spider-Man. Yeah, that's a nicer way, though. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll remember that for the future when my <laughs> children start listening to this podcast. God forbid. Um, any other notes yeah. before we introduce ourselves? Um, the most important one is that I told you off air that Megan is the only cosplayer that I like. That's a secret. <laughs> You could have denied it. You could have said, "You could have said you're putting words in my mouth, Levins." <laughs> and I was being hyperbolic. There are many okay. cosplayers who are very nice people, but there are a lot who are dicks. Um, number two, <laughs> um, you guys really the- sold me on Jabberjaw. Oh, good. The idea of just like shark. he's a regular shark that just gets out of the ocean and starts walking around. That sounds good. Did you read that no. Aquaman Jabberjaw book? No, no of we didn't. obviously didn't sell it. Sell you actually sell you on that book. Yeah, no. You you skipped a good week, Siobhan. Yeah, I'm very pleased with given how long First Things First took. I'm pleased I missed that week. Uh, this week is going to take as long. Yes, absolutely. Um, but Let's get but into before it. we get into it, uh, my name's Andrew Lovins. Oh yeah, sorry. My name's Siobhan Coons. And uh, every week we read all the comic books that came out the prior week. Sorry, this one is late. Um, but uh, yeah, like we said, things got in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start every episode with a segment called First Things First, in which we review all of the new number ones from the previous week. And oh boy, a quite a week we got right now. Yeah. Um, DC and Marvel both uh, smashing us with heaps of new series. So we'll start with the big one, and that is Justice League number one by the all new creative team of Scott Snyder, 
who will definitely be sticking around as writer for a long while, and artist Jim Chung, who will definitely not be sticking around for a while. But goddamn if I did not enjoy his presence on this book, alongside Mark Morales on inks and Timo Moray on colors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's the best I've ever seen the Justice League look. Maybe in the last couple of years, I should... In the last that. couple of years, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, this is like that um, first sort of double-page spread where you have the sort of long, thin panels with each member and what they're doing. I was like, ah, it's the yep. Justice League. <laughs> it's and really the Justice skip- League. This was a big, like, you know, big cosmic story because that's the only kind of uh, team story writers know how to tell at the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I did like that on the first page we see... Um, all these different eras of uh, of DC characters mm-hmm, featuring mm-hmm. fun little cameos. Um, 8, 000, 8, 8, 8, 85,000 years from now, we see characters like Owlman and Cal. Mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. 5,000 years from now, we see uh, none other than um, Commandy, the uh, Jack Kirby creation. Yeah. Um, which is, that was a fun little, fun little tidbit. Yeah, also got um, some cosmic figures in there too. Um, but uh, yeah, so this this is the new Justice League series featuring a team that's, pretty close to the Justice League cartoon series that I watched growing up. You've got Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, of course, uh, and then Martian Manhunter returning, which is extremely great. Yep. Um, the Flash, who was actually Wally West in the cartoon, but here he is as uh, Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Aquaman. We have um, a Green Lantern, and this time the Green Lantern is... Um, uh, what's his name again? Um, John. Oh, brain fart. John Stewart. John. John Stewart. That's the one. The Marine Aquaman. Uh, not Aquaman, Green Lantern. Marine, Marine. <laughs> the, the Marine Aquaman. <laughs> Maybe we should have just skipped this week. Yeah, um, he is a Marine slash architect. Wasn't he an architect? Anyway, it's great. He's kind of become like the more kind of army focused mm. captain of the of the corps. Boring. I like him. I like John Stewart. Um, and then uh, you've, we've got Hawk Girl on there, mm-hmm. and um, the additional character because he's just on the team all the time now of Cyborg. Yep. Um, so pretty big team um, with uh, the most women on a Justice League team ever. Two. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's amazing. Uh, actually, no, that's wrong. There's, 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 there, were, there was at least three in Justice League um, International. Absolutely. Fire Ice. And um, Black Canary was she in it? Too? Yep. Yes. Yep. Nailed it. Okay. Um, so yeah, Justice League. Um, it's a big, incredible cosmic event um, that won me over really quickly because of the Chung art and yeah. also because it is Scott Snyder having fun with the characters as each of the characters do their best impersonation of Batman, which mm-hmm. was pretty fun and silly. Um, the whole thing is kind of setting up Martian Manhunter as the captain of, uh, as the, the, the team leader mm-hmm. of the Justice League, which is the way things should be. Absolutely. Um, he w- his presence was missed. One of the like the saddest things that we lost um, from New Fifty Two, they made him the fucking leader of Stormfront. Yeah, and then that book died really quick, and then they did kind of they were like he's just around gone for away for a while. Now he's yeah. back. Um, so, uh, like, uh, as well as getting all this big cosmic stuff that kind of went over my head, and but not not in as bad a way as DC as Dark Knight's Metal did the last mm. Snyder event mm-hmm. <laughs> or even that Justice League No Justice did mm-hmm. um, because it's mired by um, we have um, Vandal Savage um, is in the mix um, what, the oldest villain in uh, in DC continuity 
Um, and he is challenged by Lex Luthor, who brings with him a new Legion of Doom. Yeah. Um, Lex which Luthor is just kills Vandal Savage by like bashing him in the head to death with some kind of rock. Cool. <laughs> Heavy. <laughs> and then uh, his new Legion of Doom is uh, Sinestro, Joker, um, Gorilla Grodd, uh, Manta, Black Manta, and um, Cheetah. I which do is pretty like that classic, lineup. classic Legion crew, I think. And it definitely um, looks like they're leading towards bringing the Legion of Superheroes back through this. Yeah. And they're a bit with Sandal, um, or was that in something else? Something like that. But I, I think, yeah, I, I have a problem, in, and, and the next one we're about to talk about did this too, of uh, lesser writers. Um, like, Scott Snyder is great when he's writing in his own voice, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but occasionally he tries to ape Grant Morrison, and it just it just feels like a shitty cover version. Um, and there were moments in this, but not it never went full, like full full. It didn't never go it went full metal for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that was because of the presence of Lex and this new Legion of Doom, and the big focus on uh, you know the establishing Martian Manhunter as a, as a as an important character in this world again. Yeah, I didn't mind this as a like as a first issue. It was totally fine. It looks gorgeous. If Jim Chung stays around, I'll stay around. But um, on covers, we'll I bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get Brett Booth yeah. interiors. But this, this is a cool first issue, and I look forward to what they're going to do with the Legion of Doom and all the other stuff. Um, and uh, I, I hope that Snyder makes it as much about the team dynamic and the villain dynamic as he does these big cosmic bullshit happenings. Yeah, the boring stuff that no one cares about. <laughs> Um, so over now to uh, the unexpected number one, the latest from DC's New Age of Heroes line. Uh, this one is by the creative team of Ryan Sook, who is uh, one of my favourite kind of DC house artists from the last decade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we also got we also got Kerry Nord, um, and uh, written by Steve Orlando, uh, inks by Mick Gray and Wade von Grobadger, and colours by FCO Placencia. Um, Bit of a slog. Man. Yeah, so this is like what I was re- referring to in regards to Lesser Rider trying to do a uh, a Grant Morrison style comic. Yeah, um, like, and I just like I feel like I say this every time, and I oh yeah, I, I say this every time. I, I um I like I preface it by saying I say this every time. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're really incepting myself here. But every time I talk about a Steve Orlando book since Midnighter, I'm like I swear I loved Midnighter, <laughs> but I just I, I haven't really enjoyed him on anything else. And yeah, totally. So basically, this is a, ca- a, a book about a, a woman who has uh, like kind of the ability to, to light, like set herself on fire. She was a, um, a, a nurse, and now she has to uh, fight every day to live. Yeah, because um, she, she has, has to a get chaos into a fight. engine in her chest or something. And uh, so she gets in fights at, at a bar, and then when she goes to her job to be a nurse again, there is uh, actually a Grant Morrison character, the Bad Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Is that? I what, have no it, what, idea. I can't remember. I think he was from um, the Seven Soldiers, maybe whatever that was. There's a very Seven Soldiers-y vibe to this whole thing, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he came from. But I'm not familiar. I have to say. Yeah, um, I'm looking up to see if that was a Grant Morrison creation. Uh, but yeah, th- th- then then we meet this kind of team of <coughs> interdimensional, uh, you know, magical figures, I guess. Um, who who know this woman even though she doesn't know them, uh, and then a whole bunch of shit happens. I don't know. I, I kind of got lost in this comic. Yeah. And was like, this one. This one's not for me. It is not for me either. Sorry, I love Ryan Sook, but no thanks. No thank you. 
Um, so yeah, apparently, according to uh, CBR, who who never or are never hyperbolic, um, never. the unexpected brings back a major Grant Morrison villain, a major, major. one, Siobhan. Huge. Um, he, uh, I don't know, I can't remember who the fuck this is. <laughs> but yeah, out, yeah, it's Bad Samaritan. What was he originally in? Um, of course, it, they're splitting it over three pages, so I have to click through and give them all the clicks. So this crafty, tedious, CBR. CBR. I can't remember what it was, what it was the from. The process of admitting a story to CBR as well is very Now they're describing what happened in Dark Knight's Metal. This is annoying. <laughs> Who knows? I don't even fucking know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, and also the, the over-monitor from uh, Dark Knight's Metal Returns, which makes this the second Steve Orlando book that brought back things from uh, DC Knight's Metal. I said Dark Knight's Returns. I meant DC Knight's Metal. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. No, <laughs> right? don't care. Don't care. Not a good issue. Not a great first issue. I don't really know what they were trying to go for, but they, I don't feel like they achieved it. The end. Looks cool. Ryan Sook art was good. Yeah, true. But I'd still like just do Seven Soldiers of Victory in the end. Yeah, very true. In fact, he actually Sorry. did. He did the the bullet. The woman mm. who's like a, who's who's painted look like a bullet. I think mm-hmm. Ryan Sook did the art on that one. Yeah. Grant Morrison. Um, so DC have also been putting out these uh, Batman Prelude to the Wedding yeah. um, number ones. Uh, even though it's like part one, part two, they all have number one on them because mm-hmm. each each of them features a Batman hero and a Batman villain going head to head in the lead up to the wedding between Batman and Catwoman. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Um, this uh, The first of these didn't actually ship last week, so I didn't get to talk about it with Megan. Uh, so we have two of them. One of them is Robin versus Rachel Ghoul, mm-hmm. which has been uh, written by... They've both been written by T- Tim Seeley, uh, but the uh, Robin Rachel Ghoul uh, story has art by somebody. We'll never know. Because yeah, they write it in stupid places. I did read it, but now I can't find my copy. Okay. Um, Tim Seeley, art by Brad Walker. Really cool art by Brad Walker, actually. Inks by Andrew Hennessy and Mick Gray. Colors by Jordi Belair. So it was a great looking book. And then the second one that came out, part two, was uh, Nightwing versus Hush. Um, and this was uh, Tim Seeley written with art by Travis Moore, Who's very Otto good. Schmidt, and Tom Tamra Bonvilla. Yeah, I loved, loved the art in, in both of these. I thought it was really, really good, particularly in this second one. But basically, like, yeah, they're kind of like sweet kind of one and dones where, yeah, a, a bat hero goes head to head with a bat villain uh, who's come to Gotham to stop the wedding from happening. And it's up to one of the bat family to put a stop to these villains. And so we get a kind of, some kind of cool character moments between Robin and his, uh, and his grandfather, Rachel Ghoul. Um, and then a nice bonding moment between, um, between uh, Robin and Catwoman, mm-hmm. who's soon to be, you know, who, who, like, she's like, I don't expect you to call me mum chill out um and then uh the second one yeah is like hush coming to town and uh has actually taken on he's, he's started he decided he wants to look like dick grayson now why wouldn't so, you look at how handsome so dick grayson is is dick I v dick. Look like dick. <laughs> dick on dick uh, <laughs> dick v dick it's great uh yeah That's and cute. each of these ends with a kind of fun little tease for what the Joker is going to do when he finally gets to the wedding. Mm-hmm. More on that later in this episode. But um, these are fun. These are kind of just silly little tid, like you know, peers into the the bat the Batverse. Absolutely, and like of all of the bachelor party issues of comics, superhero comics that I've had to read recently, this is definitely the more fun one. There was a bachelor party. Um, in the stupid X Men Gold. Oh no, but I mean in in the, in the bat in the bat one. Ah, like in the in the beginning party. of the Nightwing issue, 
Superman. Oh, he's, that's right. Nightwing are like, let's go fishing. And then Hush shows up and ruins everything. Classic Hush. That's why Classic you weren't Hush. invited, Hush. And so Superman has been chosen as uh, Batman's uh, best man. It makes sense, surely. Does it? I mean, I guess it more in recent continuity. But it should be it should be Dick. But also, this these issues put something into words that I hadn't realized, which is that it's Batman and Catwoman getting married, not Bruce Wayne and Selina, because then that yeah. would be too obvious. <laughs> what what is it? What like I don't understand what the plan is. They're just going to be married only in costume, and then. The rest of the time is going to be like, why does Selena Kyle live with Bruce Wayne now? That's interesting. Yeah, why do they? Why can't they just elope? It's poorly that, that thought would, through. That, that, that's not really an event. <laughs> the elopement yes. of, of Bruce Wayne and, and Selena Kyle. That's exactly a, why. A they forty don't issue maxi series. Why are you even getting married though, guys? You don't need it. Just live together for a little while. What if it was fifty-two? Mm. Like they, 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 they redo fifty-two, but every week it's just another week of them getting ready for their wedding. It's really stretched this out. Yeah, it's really tedious. Just like, oh, I can't sit my aunt next to your uncle. I don't yeah. know what weddings like. Oh, the catering doesn't offer any gluten-free options, <laughs> Selena. <laughs> you know, Damien's vegetarian now. You can't only have meat. <laughs> they didn't have two different deep fryers. One where they fry the meat stuff and one where they fry the vegetarian stuff. Everyone knows that, Everyone Selena. Everyone knows that, Selena. Uh, so those are the DC number ones. Um, and now we're going to move over to Marvel. There are a lot. Marvel. Holy Good. fuck. Way too Good many. Lord. Way too many. Um, but I want to start off with one that I really enjoyed, and that is The, uh, the Immortal Hulk. Yes, please. Number one. Uh, written by Al Ewing, um, doing something completely left of field from what I've expected of him as a writer, who's been kind of very much the kind of team book writer for Marvel over the last little while and mm-hmm. doing a lot of uh, cosmic stuff as well um, with a lot of humor. Um, this is him doing a straight up, like kind of classic horror take um, featuring the Hulk as the monster, featured art by Joe Bennett, uh, Roy, Joe, Jose and Paul Mounts. Um, and yeah, basically um, the Hulk is back. That he's not hanging out with superheroes anymore. He's gone uh, hiding in, 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 you know, where no one can find him. Um, except he keeps stumbling into, uh, you know, awful situations that make him uh, bring the Hulk back. Mm-hmm, so Bruce mm-hmm. Banner is kind of like, you know, trying to escape everybody again, um, which always works out well for him. Uh, and in this case, he's actually shot after a, um, a, a, a petrol station robbery goes wrong, mm-hmm. gas station robbery goes wrong. And uh, not only is he shot, but the... Uh, the worker at the uh, the gas station and uh, a young girl who's shopping there while her mum fills the uh, car with gas. Um, and so we have a, a brilliant scene in which a, a dead Bruce Banner lying in the morgue with a shit over his head uh, suddenly turns green and enormous and then bursts out of the morgue um, and then tracks down the, the, the man who pulled down, pulled off the, or tried to pull off the, uh, the gas station robbery. And uh, it's just played straight horror. Straight horror. Just a straight horror comic. And I loved, like, every second of this. This was great. Really great. And I love that they chose a more very, very classic, uh, almost not quite 80s or 90s, but almost like a little bit, like almost like 70s artist in Joe Bennett, mm-hmm. who's really, really, like, you know, hearkening back to that era in comics. Absolutely. And the colours, um, the colour palette matches it, like, perfectly it's all these sort of sickening greens and horrifying yellows and stuff was it bernie 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 wright who was the horror cartoonist that died last year yeah definitely in some of the shading yes definitely um and there are some 
unbelievable close-ups. Yeah, that was my favourite moment where it slows down and you have two massive double-page spreads of just, like, the Hulk filling out it from corner to corner. So good. So fucking good. The small amounts of modernization, because otherwise this this could just be a 70s monster comic. Totally. Um, We have uh, basically the the appearances of the Hulk being investigated by um, a policewoman and a reporter. Mm -hmm. And um, so they bring the kind of humanity to this comic Mm -hmm. and and they'll use sparingly and it's really, really effective. Absolutely. Um, This is a fucking great number one. This is, yeah, Um, I'm into it. And it's not like scary or grotesque horror. It's just, it's menacing Psychological a, horror. Yeah, it's great. It's <coughs> really, really Bruce good. Bruce Banner staring at himself in the mirror saying, I'm not a bad person, am I? And the Hulk staring back, smiling, fucked up. I love it. So great. And the Alex Ross covers are excellent. Yes, definitely. So, again, also hearkening back to the 70s mm-hmm. with, with his art too. Um, yeah, this is a fucking great issue. The Immortal Hulk number one. My, my, probably my favourite number one this week. Yeah, agreed. Um, and uh, which is good because I don't think I liked any other of the Marvel number ones this week. Oh <laughs> no! Yeah. Do you want to pick the next one we can talk about? Um, well, just it's at the top of my pile. Let's talk about Deadpool. Okay, Deadpool. By Scott Young, with yep. art uh, by oh man, Nick. Is it Nick Klein? I think it's at the very last page, like whereabouts. Before the epilogue. Goodness gracious! It's a big comic. Yeah, this is a, an enormous comic. Um, so yeah, this is uh, Scotty um, Scotty Young taking over as a as the writer of Deadpool after uh, Jerry Duggan's much celebrated run, mm-hmm. um, and uh, kind of feels like an enormous step back Nick uh, in terms Sorry. of the comedy. Oh god, there it is finally Nick Klein yeah. on art um, and Scott Hepburn on art later on, and uh, Ian Herring on uh, on colors. The art is very like almost. Daniel Acuna vibes so I was pretty yeah. into that I love the colors yeah, me too. and I think that um there are a couple of moments where the physical comedy does sell the joke and it does land but that's mostly in like the action sequences I don't think that a lot of the dialogue is that funny in itself completely agree with you completely agree with you but with all that said I didn't I dropped Deadpool when Jerry Duggan first started on it I yeah. read the first six issues and was like I don't like this and I stopped <clears throat> and then came back to it to find a completely different comic. So maybe maybe Scotty Young will, was just finding his feet with this and we, and we will... I mean, I, may, I don't know. Who knows if he's going to bring the amount of heart that Deadpool had when Duggan was ha- writing it, which is not a sentence I thought I would ever say. No. Um, but uh, who knows if that's the direction he's going to take. Maybe it will be kind of more screwball, uh, you know, comedic antics. I just... I don't really need Deadpool walking around wearing a bunch of soft toys for underpants. I mean, we don't need it. No one needs but we got it. that, but we have it. No. <laughs> um, I thought it was pretty I, funny. Yeah. And uh, it looks like this is going to have a lot of... To- like, funnily enough, Jerry Duggan is writing the Guardians of the Galaxy right now, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are in this issue. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, the, the premise is that a big, awful, uh, world-ending threat is, is coming from space to Earth, and the only person um, that can stop it, the only weapon that can stop it, is Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like all the superheroes after just trying to you know take Deadpool out at the end of Jerry Duggan's run now look like they have to track him down so they can uh, have team up with him it's a pretty fun premise actually um, so the story yeah the, the story was was pretty cool um, the art was good mm-hmm. and some of the action jo- base jokes were good but uh, the 
yeah, I didn't. I it didn't, didn't blow me dialogue. away. No, Give it I, a I, I, I could, I could very happily not read more of this and just find you know jump back in a couple of years from now to see how it is. Yeah, good point. Deadpool number one. If, if you're a Deadpool fan and this scratch your itch, maybe you weren't a fan of the good, what Duggan was doing. Um, let us know. Uh, so we had two number ones from Mark Wade this week. Um, one of them was Doctor Strange, which uh, follows hot on the heels t- uh, of uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates sending Black Panther to space mm-hmm. for his recent number one. Uh, in this uh, beginning of a new Doctor Strange series, um, taking over from uh, uh, Donny Cates, uh, who did a great short run on Doctor Strange. Uh, this has art by Jesus Sayas. Um, and uh, it's basically all the magic's running out on Earth again. Yeah, and, like, um, did you not read the last arc? Mark Wade, I, anyway. Yeah. After, and after that happens, um, he, he requests a, a, a meeting with Tony Stark and Tony Stark gives him a rocket ship to fly into space to search for more planets that he could get the magic from. I it's, found this boring. What was really boring about it is that it really... It, was, it, it, it didn't show. It just told us the whole... There's a, yes. there's a narrator... It's not even like a. It's not. It's not even first person narration for Doctor Strange. It's like literally Mark Way like narrating every. Yeah. Calling every him panel. the sorcerer, fucking lame. I thought. I think that works if you do that for the first few pages and bring it back for the last few pages, or, or use it more sparingly. But every single panel is narrated, mm. and it doesn't really allow Jesus Sayas to to do his do his thing and and actually tell the story with his art. Yeah, and I um, like Hazel Sayers a lot. I think he does, like, a really solid job, but just it is made, like, tedious and dull by the narration and by, like, the basic... I mean, maybe maybe we're, you know, harmed by the fact that we've been reading the Doctor Strange series, but, like, this is so similar to the last arc. Like, what is... Why? Why is that? What is that about? Well, it's similar to both what Jason Aaron was doing yeah. and also it's similar to what... Uh, Coates is doing in Black Panther because this issue ends with Doctor Strange locked up on an alien planet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is how B- Black Panther began. Anyway, I, I, I'm going to give it one more one more shot, one more issue. I think I'm um, not going to. I think I like. Yeah. I really didn't like that. Look, if there's one thing I know, it's that we read too many comics. So any excuse to read less of them. Correct. Take take that take that excuse. Taking that to the bank. Uh, so the other Mark Wade written Marvel book this week was Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, with art by Javier Garon and Israel Silva. This is uh, a book in which um, Scott Lang is uh, stuck in space and needs to return home to Earth for his daughter's birthday or else she'll be upset. So for some reason he calls on Nadia Pym, who is the younger new wasp, um, who they have no connection whatsoever besides the fact that they both inherited tech from the Pyms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh and uh, yeah, basically requests that she rescue him, and then they get stuck in the microverse. And I made it through two thirds of this, and I was like, I don't need to read this. No, this sucks. This is a disappoint. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not disappointed. I was already going into this with like a big Mark Wade chip on my shoulder, but man, <laughs> I didn't like this. This was boring. And like in the first page, they described the love story between Hank and Janet as um, a love a so legendary bright team. it shamed the stars. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. And then, uh, what was the bit I was going to talk about? Anyway, this was just pretty boring. Oh, yeah. Like, I I thought that there would be maybe, (laughs) 
so they're revisiting a classic Ant-Man and Wasp story where Janet and Hank visit the microverse and come in as like sort of white saviors and solve all the problems. And I kind of thought that Mark Wade would be doing something like a little bit more sophisticated, like a little bit next gen with that and kind of going like, oh, we came in here, but actually when we originally helped, it didn't solve all the problems because that's not how like problem solving works. Um, but no, they just came in and like saved, saved everything again. And now Nadi is blind. Yep. Uh, okay. Fine. I'd, I'd, no, I'll never you. find out if she gets her sight back. I, I assume I she's blind that. forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another Marvel number one we got this week was uh, another fucking <sighs> Ant-Man and the Wasp book called Ant-Man and the Wasp Living Legends. And I don't think we need to talk about it much. This is another one of those bizarre books that only exists because the movie is coming out soon. So they just get some idiot to write a, a really quick one shot that vaguely ties into the movie um, and is just a waste of everybody's time. Oh, I got the the two confused. They basically had the same story anyway. Boring. I don't care. Wait, so were you reviewing? Kind of, but I didn't like no, the no. other one anyway. Okay, right. <laughs> they were very similar. And also the movie is about Ant-Man and the Wasp going into the microverse too. Oh, really? So, yeah. I'll watch that because I love... What's his face? Paul Rudd? Yep. Or who um, the old guy. Um, no. The guy who plays Hank Pym. Yeah, the one who was like, um, I got throat cancer because I went Mr. down on my Mr. wife. Zeta, that's right, <laughs> Mr. Zeta-Jones. <laughs> Can we only refer to him as that now? Yes, Mr. Zeta-Jones. Mr. Zeta-Jones. The, the king of pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the king of, of pussy cancer. Uh, Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but he said that it both caused and then cured his cancer. Which is what like, she must have the most, like, magical vagina of all time. Okay, the episode is called The Most Magical <laughs> Vagina of All Time. Belongs to one, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, do you reckon they could, they would make a comic about that? Well, okay, A, Taro have done that, sort of. She had a haunted vagina in uh-huh. a very early um, issue of uh, Taro. But surely that's an area that hasn't been fully explored by like the X-Men or the Inhumans. Surely one of them's going to have some <laughs> crazy like vagina-based power. Like the Dazzler's explosions only come out of her hands? How would we know? Less Dazzler, more Vajazzler. Thank right? you. Good job. Um, hey, but with, uh, unfortunately we have to wait for Vajazzler because we have a Dazzler comic to talk about as our last Marvel number one. Yes. Um, Good job. And uh, it was a one-shot that I don't know why it exists. It's written by um, Magdalene Visaggio, who um, I quite enjoy on that Young Animal book that she does. Uh, uh, yep. Eternity, Eternity, Eternity Girl, Girl, is that what it's called? Yep. yep. Um, and art by Laura Braga and um, colours by Rochelle Rosenberg. I like Dazzler as a character who pops up here and there mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. In, in different comics. She's just kind of used as a punchline now or like whenever someone needs to bond over a, a musical act between an old person and a young person. Classic. It happens a lot in Marvel comics. Uh, but here we have... pretend that she's still like 18 years old and a pop star. Anyway. Yeah. Here we have Alison Blair, a.k.a. Dazzler, uh, who has started a band. Um, and this is about her band playing in venues and trying to be inclusive of everybody and have, create safe spaces at her shows. But the mutants that come to her shows don't want inhumans to come to our shows and enjoy the music. Because this and is so a mutant sp- space, okay? Yeah. Because I don't think you remember, but a while ago, there was a a green 
cloud of pea soup. A cloud-based killed, war. <laughs> that killed Cyclops. And so all the <laughs> and mutants everyone are... everyone celebrated. Yay! <laughs> uh, so this is an extremely heavy-handed yes. uh, book that kind of... All the hard work that was done into being about inclusiveness and safe space just feels kind of silly because it's about Inhumans versus X-Men. Like, it's not... The yeah. fucking sixties anymore. You don't need to use X Men as a, uh, as a cover for another actual. Yes, and I always find it slightly hard when ever like the word bigot gets thrown around a lot in comics these days. That's fine. I understand that it's like an easy way to be like, oh, that person's a bad person. They're a bigot. Um, but I feel like people have. I would have legitimate concerns if I was a human living in a world where mutants regularly like blow people up. And I'm not saying there needs to be some kind of mutant registration act. I'm just saying there needs to be some kind of oversight. And I don't know if Dazzler's the right person to do that. Or Colossus. Yeah. He's Russian. We don't know what his current ties are. He could be a Kremlin agent. <laughs> yeah, so this book was uh, a, just a very strange thing yeah. that exists. I thought it was lame. And if you like the concept of a superhero who's also a pop star, I much more recommend the recent Black Canary series, which had up by Veronica Fish. And I don't remember who wrote it, but that was pretty good. And even better than that is The Wicked and the Divine. Even better than that is The Wicked and the Divine. Absolutely. Check that out too. Um, so those are all our Marvel number ones and DC number ones. But don't worry, there's plenty of comics from both publishers coming up later in the episode. Mm. Before we got there, I got a few other um, number ones from other publishers. Yeah. Um, starting with a Dark Horse book called Sword Daughter. Written by Brian Wood with art by Mac Chater and colors by Jose Villarubia. Also known as and Brian Wood Loves Vikings Part 3. So is this about Vikings? It's just it's just set in the olden times, uh, I feel in like which it's uh, a vil- well, I, I don't know. There's a there's a definite kind of Eastern feel to the attackers. Mm, true. <laughs> also, Mike Myersy feel too. Yeah. Michael Myersy. Um, they don't say shagadelic as they as they kill an entire <laughs> town. If only. Um, so basically, a, a town is attacked, um, and everyone dies except a man who is. Put in a con- uh, basically falls asleep for years, and his daughter is left to kind of care for him while he's in this sleeping state. Basically, he wakes up. This is set in Ormanudur, Ormanudur, in nine nine one AD during the Worms month, and uh, yeah, it's basically about a, a mute daughter trying to communicate with her father who's just woken up to find that everyone that he loved has died and the world moved on without him right yeah i found this boring i'm, I'm also like i feel like i've given brian wood enough enough of a pass in terms of books that i you know yeah. he's, he's, he's not that good of a dude and dark horse also lots of bad allegations about them as a publisher lately really? so i haven't even yeah. heard that what they yeah do? They, 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 uh, there's a lot of uh, reports on twitter about them being not a very good uh, safe space for various stuff. Ah. Oh. Disappointing. Like, Always disappointing. Very disappointing. So, um... um yeah, but, uh, I feel yeah. like you can see Brian Wood's attitude... Oh, I'm being a bit hectic. I was going to say you can almost see his attitudes towards women by the fact that the only woman in this is a girl and mute. But <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to reach too far. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it cool to see Brian Wood writing another book about a gruff man trying to prove himself? Ugh. Men Try to Have Feelings, Part 10 by Brian Wood. <laughs> um, Mac Chater's art is great, though. I like Mac Chater. He's a good artist. 
Yeah. Um, and he was he was Brian Wood's collaborator on that other Dark Horse book that they did about the um, off-the-grid community that was meant to be a TV show that never became a TV show. Oh, yeah, Briggsland. Briggsland. What happened to that? I like that better. No one knows. Uh, anyway, because um, there was actual good women in that book. Um, mm. From Vault, we've got uh, Vagrant Queen, number one. Ah, oh, I'm devastated. Okay, so I did pick up my comics one day late, so the stack looked suspiciously sh- small. And this I is another book written, stuff. written by Magdalene Visaggio. Um, cool. Illustrated by Jason Smith, colors by Harry Saxon. Um, the Jason Smith art feels a l- pretty rough, not not entirely professional throughout. The, that he has a cool style, just uh, a lot of in, uh, a lot of a lot of inconsistencies in terms of characters throughout um, the book. But basically, this is like a space opera esque, like a wisecracking space opera um, with a very cool main character who is like a you know. Like basically, like you, you can you can find comparisons to almost every Star Wars character in within the characters here. If if you want a more more wisecracking uh, kind of take on Star Wars, uh, check this out. Um, it's definitely not something that uh, is for me necessarily, but uh, there were some fun moments in it, and uh, the, the start of a rollicking good adventure. Love a good rollick. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read any other number ones this week? Um, one I wanted to give a shout out to, and I don't know if you actually picked up the copy off my desk the other day. No, because I've not been into Kings yet. And I, but here's the thing, I've, I've got a zine for you too. Oh, so sick. Let's, let, let's say what these zines are and then, and then we'll do a special zine spotlight next week. Cool. Okay, well, so mine is Meet Me in the Pit, issue one, um, which is a anthology of comics about music edited by Chris Neal um, with some who is a local local bro. A nice man mm-hmm. who dropped these off for us. Um, yeah, he's, like, he's in our this, Facebook group too. This is really, really great. This is very, very yep. good. That cover is so fucking good. And apparently, yeah, yeah it's, it's getting really, really, it's been really well, well received by uh, the, the local comics community and he's already working on a second one, which yep. is real cool to hear. I'm very excited about it. The cover by Rebecca Enya-Lurie is amazing and I am 100% a fan of hers now and um, there's it's introduced me to a bunch of local comics makers that I'm very excited to follow um, follow Meet I Me recommend. in the Pit we'll, we'll talk about it in depth next week because yeah. I've also got the latest issue of Tommy Dasilo's, uh, uh series Super Bloom yes please for, I've got the copy for you as well and his comics have uh, gotten significantly better you know, art, art especially because he's uh, he does it all digitally using iPad oh cool um, and uh, it looks really really cool great colours great printing so we'll talk about that next week Super Bloom 2 and Meet Me in the Pit awesome. but uh, if you google those you can you can find them they're both I think they're, they're very, very cheap and available online yeah I have a feeling Meet yeah. Me in the Pit might be already sold out but um, holy shit I'll check nice it, one Chris um, so uh, I read Garfield Homecoming this week. What? What? Which is a, a new Boom series, Kaboom series featuring Garfield. The reason I got this is because it has a Stan Sakai <gasps> cover Whoa. of ah, that's Garfield. So cute. Garfield in a kimono eating sushi. <laughs> I love it. And I want that as a comic so bad, <laughs> or just him to make a cameo in Osagi Ujimbo. Yeah, so bad. Hey, it's Mondays. Um, love yeah, sushi. That's my favorite cover in a long time. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Incredible cover. But the story inside, which is, um, uh, of course, Garfield created by Jim Davis. He's a cat who hates Mondays, loves lasagna. That's it. That's uh, it. This has been written by Scott Nickel with illustrations by Sarah Talmadge and Antonio Alfaro. Um, and uh, Sarah Talmadge is like, it's very, uh, 
very different to what Garfield normally looks like. It's oh. like a, kind of like an an indie kind of take indie on Garfield. Uh, on Garfield. Um, and it's ba- but it, it, you know the story is the, the the same classic thing of John Garfield's owner is has had it up to here with how, what a dumb greedy little cunt his cat is, <laughs> and so <laughs> and so he uh, he he puts him on a diet or some shit. So Garfield runs away to the circus. Great. Um, it was it was pretty cute. You know, it, it's a very unnecessary book for anyone to read, really, unless they're a huge Garfield stan. But goddamn that cover, something special. Um, final book I read this week was uh, an enormous. Like I don't. Know, like I'm surprised what? I actually read this. Yeah. Enormous Titan book, like an eighty-page Titan triple triple comic. Holy moly! Um, called called Brother Nash, which was written and drawn by Bridget Connell, uh, and uh, this book is about a trucker who um, we learn midway through um, after he picks up a criminal, criminal who tries to rob him of his truck um, that uh, he basically he has uh, powers of uh, like supernatural powers and connections to the underworld. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a, he's a Native American. Um, uh, sorry, is it First, First Nations American? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, he's, he basically like it kind of ties into that kind of mythology and spirituality, but also like supernatural elements and um, and uh, monsters and, uh, and enormous bugs and things from down below. Um, it was pretty interesting. I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, Brother cool. Nash. Sounds really interesting. And now, uh, yeah, Bridget does uh, the art the whole way through, and the art's really good. Kind of reminds me of a more simplified Eduardo Riso throughout cool. parts. Um, but then, like, yeah, very, very big, fun, psychedelic monsters and. You know, it's also about like kind of morals and that kind of thing. And also there's some great just like trucker conversations going on too, which is great. I get them in many comics. That's fun too. So yeah, Brother Nash, I actually quite like that. Yeah, that From Titan great. Comics this week. Uh, so yeah, those are our number ones for the week. A few good ones in there. Uh, I think Hulk was far and away my favorite though. Yeah. Um, and uh, now we move on to a very special game called Roll the Dice, except that we don't have a dice. So let's just review... You can just say which publishers we're going to talk about first. DC. DC first. Then we're going to talk about... Marvel. Then we're going to talk about Image and then other publishers. Let's do this, Siobhan. We've got some DC books to get through. And it's my favorite thing to do with you. And that is talk about a new issue of Batman by Tom King. (laughs) Yep. This is issue 48 of Batman featuring uh, out by Mikkel Janin. And uh, what is going on at your house, Siobhan? Um... The constant sound of construction that exists oh, everywhere right. in Sydney. Hooray! <laughs> Hang on, I'm just gonna shut um, the window. So while Siobhan shuts a window, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring through this. Here we go. So we got uh, Mikkel Janin on art with June Chung on color. Uh, and yep, this is as we get ready for this wedding, which just feels further and further away with each issue. Um, we know that the Joker has been waiting eagerly for his uh, wedding to Batman. Batman, sorry, for his invite to Batman and Catwoman's wedding, mm-hmm. um, and like this ties back into like yeah, the fact that they're it's not Bruce and Selena getting married, it's it's Batman and Catwoman, yeah. Which they're asking for this bullshit to happen. They're asking yeah. for this trouble. What are you doing? Why would you announce it? <laughs> like, what is the point in having a big fucking wedding? God. It, it goes against everything you think Batman stands for. Like, I get that it's a fun thing to do. Um, of course. Anyway. Uh, this issue is entirely set inside a church with, in which um, Joker is 
killing uh, a newly married couple and all their guests uh, in one of the more. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Brutal, like, Joker yeah. murders I've ever seen. I know that, like, yeah, like, Tom King kind of plays it off like like it's, like, this almost dark humor throughout it. Because his, his Joker is kind of funny. His Joker um, is funny. I think his Joker's funny. Um, horrible but, and, like, terrifying, but funny. It's the sort of moments where, like, like the first page is a classic, like, Tom King nine panel while a guy prays um, out loud as you hear people... Um, his family and friends being shot in the background. That's the kind of needlessly grim detail that Tom King just loves to um, rub in everyone's faces. Like the Joker killing the bride in front of Batman. Yeah. Um, so then they, there's a big fight for um, fight in the church between Joker and Batman. Um, and uh, Batman like stops Joker from killing himself or something. I don't know. I thought that was a funny moment where the Joker's like, oh no, I killed my final hostage. Oh no, wait, here's a hostage. And like points the gun at himself. That was a pretty like yep. funny Joker move. But yeah, this was like nothing, nothing happened to sort of progress the plot that significantly in this. And it wasn't that interesting or that compelling. It's just the Joker still being like, why didn't you invite me, Batman? I'm going to keep killing people. But the bit where he goes, am I your best man? Was also pretty funny. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, there there are amusing scenario, amusing moments within this, and but again, it is just him doing a very, very grisly, grim character study of these long, long living characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he doesn't. I, for me, he's not saying anything that's like new or that compelling. Would you? Have I like this issue a lot more than the previous arc. Yeah. Um, and, we're, and we're getting closer and closer to that wedding, Siobhan. What's going to happen? I assume a normal wedding. <laughs> With no hitches whatsoever. Um, a DC book that I fucking loved this week um, was the final issue of Exit Stage Left, oh, no. The Snagglepuss Chronicles. Okay, Did you not pick it up? Oh, no. It sold out before I got it. Oh, make sure you get your hands on this one tomorrow then. Um, so this is uh, yeah, written by Mark Russell. 
um, with uh, art by um, Mike Fian and inks by Sean Parsons. Um, and I think that, that same team were announced for, they're doing a um, one of the new books for the Vertigo relaunch, which sounds really cool. Yeah, I'm excited uh, going, about that. It's about religion, which is cool because that's what uh, Mark Russell wrote books about before he did comics. Mm-hmm. Um, this finale of this really, really charming and and sad book um, about, you know, the, the big pink goofy mountain lion from Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, Snagglepuss uh, has been reimagined as like a, a playwright in the 50s uh, during uh, a time of insecurity in, in American government where everyone's suspected of being a communist. Um, and so he is being made to testify and basically sell out all of his friends in the gay community and in the, in the arts community um, mm-hmm. out of all because of like, you know, like fear basically. Um, and uh, this is, yeah, it's a really, really interesting study in that period of time and why, why artists create art in the first place and why they keep, keep creating it, mm-hmm. even if it might not be what everyone wants them to create. Um, but I, what, what, without spoiling the story, one thing I did was not expecting this to do after it was so like quite sad and serious the whole way through is that this actually sets up the reason why the Hanna-Barbera cartoons exist. Because hmm. the Hanna-Barbera c- cartoons, I think, are like 60s creation, or at least their heyday is the 60s. So basically, this is like a prequel to them all making goofy cartoons. So all the characters that we've seen in this series, they're given a, they're given the opportunity to make cartoons at the end of this uh, end of this issue. That's cool. And so that that sets up the Hanna-Barbera uh, universe. Yeah, oh, it was really really sweet and unexpected, and it wasn't. It wasn't crass at all. It was good. It fit the, the, the vibe of everything. It ended on a happier note than the, the last issues ended on. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was really nice. I, I, I think this was a phenomenal series that um, I wasn't initially as into as I, as I was uh, um, uh, Flintstones, Mark Russell's last DC book. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I, I may love the ending that this stuck to and the fact that it was an ongoing six-issue plot as opposed to the kind of one-and-done with a few connecting threads that the Flintstones was. And that, that final issue of the Flintstones was a little, like, hammy. Yeah. Whereas this is, this is like, this sticks, it sticks to the, the, the vibe. It doesn't betray the vibe of the previous issues anymore in, in spite of giving the characters a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved this. I highly recommend everyone pick up the trade when it comes out because it will read exceptionally well as a, as a one, one story. Yeah, cool. So that's Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles, number six, probably my favorite book this week. Well, we'll I'll figure that out by the end of the episode. Um, and uh, we're going to move on to uh, whatever Siobhan wants to talk about next. Should we talk about Man of Steel issue two? Okay, by well, the great Brian Michael Bendis and... Uh, the great a very... Doc Shana and the yeah, great incredible. Steve Rude. Yeah, incredible art team on this. And then also there's uh, Jay Fabok. Yep. Showing up for two two pages in here as well. Colors by Alex Sinclair. Pretty amazing art lineup. I have, though I have to say, it took me a while. To, I think for, maybe it was the colors or whatever, but Doc Shana didn't really look like Doc Shana in some of those early pages. Looks good, just not 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 as clean as he usually is, I guess. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a good thing. Hard to say. I, I think it's like it's it's maybe not as like perfectly classic as it has been in the past. Um, yeah. But I think it's still there's still some real flashes of brilliance, panel to Definitely. panel. Um, so what happens in this, Siobhan? This series, okay. Brian Michael Bendis is writing. It's his I'll big, be, big entrance to DC. I will be honest. I thought I'd read this, but actually I read issue one, and so I was just flipping through <laughs> as you were talking about Snagglepuss. But I, from the look of it, 
like this. There's some kind of weird nonsense going on with Lois and Clark that they're not telling anyone. Like, they refer to him as her estranged husband. Interesting. Why? The art's pretty cool. It's got some cosmic stuff. I don't know. I liked this. Yeah, there's... I guess, yeah, I I don't want to read the divorce of Superman and Lois Lane story. But, like, I I feel like they're... Do you think that's where it's going? ...doing something devious... In, uh, they're gonna pull a, pull a fast one. But then gonna make us at think. home, they're still they're still best friends because there's that two right. panels. Anyway, I thought it was good. yeah okay yeah. Um, but the the one thing I don't care about at all is that there's this like big gross alien who is coming to kill all remnants of Krypton. Yeah, that's um, very but boring. I, d- I do like his last week he did uh, Firebug and uh, Killer Moth, mm-hmm. um, and this week he does the Toy Man and just mm-hmm. like just kind of writing really fun, pathetic versions of these D-grade DC villains. Um, Bendis does that quite well. He really does. And I liked the interactions between Green Lantern and uh, and Superman. Yeah, I thought this was cute. Yeah, but yeah, I'm happy to see um, Shane and Rude show up on, on any comic, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, lo- it looks like they, they are they are leaning a lot into the Daily, Daily Planet kind of goings on um, throughout this issue. Mm-hmm. But it's... I swear I've read the Perry going oh no no one cares about print media anymore <laughs> story before i'm sure like i mean that was the start of the um grant morrison's action comic stuff was all clark kent being like i have to have a blog now <laughs> <laughs> so hard to say yep follow me on snapchat perry <laughs> all the news is on twitter now hashtag the daily planet um so we mentioned batman earlier on because of course we did uh, and I would say the superior Batman comic this week is actually Deathstroke, issue number 32, written by Christopher Priest with... Um, hey, you want to you give this guy's name a shot? I always fuck his name up. Um, oh, what's the first name? Carlo Pag- Pagulian. Pagulian. Mm, that's um, bad. And R- Roberto Viacara, um, and Breakdowns by Larry Hama and Jason Paz on inks, Jeremy Cox on colors. This is uh, Deathstroke versus Batman, <coughs> part... Three of six, um, featuring priests just writing the hell out of these characters and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing a far more interesting character study of of both Batman and Deathstroke than yeah. uh, what we're getting in uh, in Batman at the moment. Absolutely. Um, basically, Batman is told Deathstroke is enough. Enough is enough. No more. No more contract killing, Slade. Um, and uh, of course, Slade wants to do his job because um, that's what he does. And, Absolutely. And, like, you know, he, he views himself as doing the grunt work that the, the he, there's a line about him saying someone's got to be the garbage man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that. that. That's how he justifies some of the darker things he has to do. Absolutely. Um, and all the while Talia Al Ghul is also trying to convince Deathstroke that he is Damien's biological father. Great. Yeah. Um, there's one twist at the end because this is all being narrated by one of Deathstroke's sons and a Robin. Mm-hmm. And at the end, is that Robin revealed to be Rob, um, Damien, or is is that is Robin view actually watching the other Robin confess to him this story? And is it actually Todd, Jason Todd? I don't know. I don't know who exactly that is because it could be almost anyone. Because at the yep. end, he's like, "That's why I've made this video dressed like this." So it couldn't even not be a Robin. Who knows who it is? But I like Maybe it, it's and he knows who Damien is. Yeah. Man, Priest is very good at what the fuck cliffhangers. He really is. Yeah, he's very. Yeah, a, he's very good. 
Yeah, he's really, really good. This is the kind of DC that I, I love. Yeah. It celebrates. He, oh, there's always cameos from like 10 other DC characters in each issue. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun, but also like the right kind of serious. Yep. Um, it's good. And it's, you know, dense. It's great. Great stuff. Absolutely. Um, Injustice 2 this week, um, written by Tom Taylor. With art, art by um, oh boy, I'm not going to get this name right at all. Um, personally, probably because I can't find the full name. Here it is. Uh, oh, it's just it's just one. It's a it's a one one word name. His name is Zermanico. Zermanico. Nice. With an X. Uh, yeah. Colors by Jay Nanjan. Um, and uh, this issue is all about Hal Jordan and the remorse he feels uh, for basically uh, taking Superman's side in the original Injustice run. Um, and uh, them, him being placed in the same jail cell as Sinestro, um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was it was a fun, it was a slower issue of Injustice, but um, really fun and sets up the Red Lanterns uh, coming into the fray, which I don't really care that much about. But no. um, they'll probably. But the, the the fun thing about this though is that there's like the stakes are higher because he, they can just do whatever they want with this universe. So it will probably mean like a bunch of other like established DC characters who you don't associate with being Red Lanterns becoming Red Lanterns, I guess. That's fun-ish. Cool. Remember? Remember when Superman, remember when Supergirl was a Red Lantern? That worked. That was amazing. Um, hey, uh, best ad, ad in uh, a comic this week is the um, ad for the first issue of Catwoman, which is written and illustrated by Joelle Jones. Yes. featuring Featuring like Catwoman being like torn torn at by a bunch of other cat women it's fucking great it's a brilliant cover um and uh it looks like it's gonna be like a like a spy comic man i don't care what it is as long as joelle jones is writing and illustrating it i am 100 percent there totally on board that's a good move from dc getting it's her to do that really I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's something that we said we wanted like a year ago too yeah let's assume we did and assume we made that happen take take all credit yeah. Um, Shade the Changing Woman is the last DC book I read this week from DC's Young Animal imprint. Um, issue number four, written by Cecil Castellucci, with art by Zal- Marley Zarconi. The very great Marley Zarconi. Um, with additional inks by Andy Parks and colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick. Um, and basically, Shade the Changing Girl, who is now a woman, has uh, given up her heart, and now she can't help people on earth because she hasn't got a heart. So mm-hmm. in order to save her friends, she has to f- get her heart back. Save and, her uh, friends from the girl whose body she originally stole and who has now taken the body of a man. Um, but, but also has access to Shade's madness powers and is using them to create, cause havoc on um, all of her old synchronized swimming team. Yep. <laughs> what an incredible description of a comic. How do you not want to read this book after our description? And it's like um, gorgeously illustrated and multi-layered and so clever. And then the little backup story about her ex-boyfriend becoming a Green Lantern. Yeah, totally great stuff. Um, with awesome art by Jamie Coe, who I've not heard. And um, yeah, I, really, I really like this. This is going to yeah. sting the most when Young Animal isn't a thing anymore. Absolutely. There was a, if you missed it, there was a bunch of... Uh, there was an announcement about nine new books that are relaunching Vertigo um, that came out last week. And um, it's a shame to not see all of the young animal creatives pushed over there yeah. to either continue these series or do something new. Like, there's yeah. no reason why this couldn't just continue as a Vertigo book. Absolutely. And I feel like they've 
set up a world where there could be so many stories. But I do also think that once this arc is finished and the book has ended, it is going to be such a perfect series yep. um, that really you could agree. recommend to anyone. Definitely. Um, cool. So those are the DC reviews. And now, as requested by Siobhan herself, we're going to move into Marvel. I only um, read for inf- two Marvel comics. <laughs> okay, you can pick the first one. Okay, I read um, X-Men Red by Tom Taylor and Mahmoud Azra. X-Men Red, issue five, sorry. Yep, um, and uh, this features the very, very striking image of, uh, of Namor on the front cover. Yes, please. Um, and had colours by Rain Barreto, um, cover on this one by Travis Charest. Love Travis Charest. Yeah, real good, real good cover. Um, and uh, this series is kind of putting along slowly, but, but good, mm-hmm. um, as uh, the team of Jean Grey and her new, um, her new mutant teammates... Um, <laughs> Which include Gambit, Night Nightcrawler, um, and uh, Wolverine, two Wolverines, Gabby, Gabby. Storm. Yeah. Um, they're basically trying to rid the world of these like uh, Sentinites, which are nanites crossed with Sentinels that can take over humans' brains and make them want to kill mutants. Classic. Uh, and yeah, I mean it, it's all kind of set up. Um, there's a flash into the future, in uh, which a whole bunch of bad shit goes down, and there's. What what's an X Men comic without that happening? Absolutely. There's a brilliant Namor moment as well. Namor's on their team too. Yeah, I like it when Namor says the tide's coming in. Very yes, ominous. Good stuff. Real good stuff. Um, and uh, Jean Grey kind of using her powers in ways she hasn't before as well, mm-hmm. um, making her seem like an actually really useful mutant. Yeah, and like a like an interesting character. Yeah, totally agree. It's amazing. Well done, Tom Taylor. Um, did you read Infinity Countdown number four this week? No, this sold out before I could get there. Oh, yeah, that's cool to hear it's selling well. Um, Jerry Duggan writing this one with um, a great art team of um, Aaron Cuda, Mike Hawthorne, um, Mike Diodato Jr., Terry Pallett, Jose Marzen Jr., um, Frank Martin, and Jordi Belair. That is an incredible lineup. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is all about... Um, like the Guardians of the Galaxy and a bunch of other cosmic characters uh, trying to reassemble the Infinity Stones uh, in the lead up for another event that is called Infinity Some Shit. Um, and I thought this issue was like good, but probably the weakest issue of this run so far. Um, but now that I'm looking at it, I may, I may have pulled a Siobhan here. Or I, I read this like pretty much a week ago and I've forgotten everything that happened in it. What I do yes. remember and I'm really sad about this, but it was inevitable, is that um, Galactus is no longer the life bringer. Oh, no. He, he has been asked to return to become um, the, the... The life ender. The eater the of life, planets. The devourer of worlds. There we That's go. That's who it is. Because, um, uh, yeah, basically they, they need him to devour the planet um, that one of the stones is on. Pretty interesting stuff. That is interesting. Um, That's an interesting but, reason to make him... Not the Lightbringer anymore. I'm and he, he seems to just kind of do it by choice too, which means maybe he can go back to becoming the Lightbringer again after this. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, Hunt for Wolverine, issue number two. Weapon, sorry, Hunt for Wolverine, Weapon Lost, issue number two. Uh, written by Charles Saul. Charles Saul with art by Matteo Bufagni and colors by Jim Charalampidis. Um, this is the uh, team-up book of um, Daredevil, um, and Misty Knight and Frank McGee, the Inhuman, um, and someone else called a mutant called Cipher. Um, they're all trying to track down uh, Wolverine, and uh, it's more of the same of the first issue. Uh, it looks good. It's fun. 
uh, all the characters working really well together um, and not really giving us much in the way of a story except there is the suggestion that Wolverine is a murderer like yes a million times <laughs> over is that up for debate he's the best at what but, he do, does and what he does is not very nice and is heavily implied it's killing people with the knives that come out of his hands that's what he does that's what he does um, so yeah this is, a, this is a cool cool little miniseries um, half of the half of the miniseries about Hunt for Wolverine are good we know that um, two of them Captain America issue number 703 written by Mark Wade, Leonardo Romero on art with guest artist Alan Davis Mark Farmer colours by Jordi Belair I even um, picked this up because I was like oh yeah but then I read two Mark Wade comics and I got annoyed so I didn't read this that's a shame because this is easily the best um, this is the one set in the future uh, in which uh, everyone on Earth is given some of uh, Steve Rogers' super serum um, and an ancestor of Steve Rogers finds out it's because the Kree are raising humans to become soldiers. And uh, he tries to expose the truth um, by thawing out what he thinks is going to be um, uh, Captain America who's trapped in the Cosmic Cube. But when he does, it's not actually Captain America, it's Red Skull. And so the ancestor of, uh, of uh, Steve Rogers had to kind of reluctantly uh, team up with Red Skull to overthrow the Kree. Pretty awesome. That does sound cool. <laughs> really, really fun and silly. So there's one more issue of this left before we get Tarnahisi Coates taking over his run, I which I'm looking forward wait. to too. But this, this has been a fun little distraction in the lead up to that. Cool. So the final uh, Marvel book that I assume is one you read too is uh, a very special issue of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It's the smoking issue, issue number 31, written by uh, Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader, with art by Ray Anthony Height and colors by Tamara Bonvillain. This uh, basically features uh, it's Moon Girl. It's a PSA comic. It's a PSA, um, and uh, from a long line of, uh, of of Marvel PSA comics about smoking, which mm-hmm. I loved seeing a little history of at the, in the back matter of this um, issue. Yep. That was a real, real cool little bonus to get. But basically, um, there is a, uh, 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 is it, his name is Swarm, um, who is a Marvel villain made of bees. Made of bees. Um, <laughs> who's um, swapped out all the chemicals in bug spray in New York. So instead of making bugs hate the spray, it actually makes humans crave nicotine mm-hmm. so that he can kill humans faster. <laughs> I love it. It's very smart. It's, and, but this was a compelling yeah. anti-smoking PSA comic, I feel. Yeah, Definitely. And the next issue, the cover of it looks like there's... Does does Kingpin have a daughter? And is she going to fight yeah. Moon Girl? Yes, please. How exciting is that? So cool. It's a great um, comic. Yeah, this this is this is this comic's been a lot of fun lately. And, and even though I groaned when this, like, you know, was... Actually, I didn't groan. I was kind of like, this feels like an episode of Degrassi or something like that where... Yeah. You know, one of the characters t- decides to pick up smoking instead of it was one of Moon Girl's friends. But then suddenly, by the end of the issue, everyone is smoking. Because um, a man made of bees made her made them. <laughs> which is why everyone smokes. Obviously. That was good fun. Um, it was really fun. Really fun PSA comic. Uh, so those are our Marvel reviews for the week. And we move on to Image. Great. You got many of these ahead in front of you? Yeah. Which one you talk about first? Uh, let's talk about... It's a very pink week at Image. All the covers yeah. of the clients can be very pink. Let's talk about Death or Glory, issue two, by Rick Miranda and Bengal. Letters by Russ uh, Wooten. So this is yeah a book about um, a, a girl trying to uh, uh, do a bunch of crimes to raise money for an operation to save her husband. Mm-hmm, 
um, and uh, there's like two kind of gross Garth Ennis Garth Ennisy policemen chasing yeah. after her. Yes. Um, and in this issue, uh, the younger policeman, after not catching her, returns to the station, belts his arms above his his head in a cell, and then pulls his pants down. Uh, and then the older policeman chops the head off a chili and shoves the chili up his butt. And says, let like that a... sweet pepper's fire teach you the hot lesson. <laughs> and I said, I'm out. I don't need this from my comics. I read that page out loud three times to everyone around me and went, I am super on board. I don't know what's wrong with me. That's so, this is If Garth Ennis did this, you'd be like, I hate this. I know, I know. But I love Bengal and I quite like Rick Remender at times. And I thought this was very silly. And the yeah, I'm good. out. Yeah, the art's so good. I just, I just don't. I, I, I that I, I hated that aspect of the book yeah. in the last issue, yeah. and that he turned it up to ten in this one. Yeah. I was like, God, I don't, I don't need these characters. <laughs> I'm gonna stick around because I, <laughs> I genuinely enjoyed that because I'm awful. Um, well, a uh, Rick Remender comic that I actually liked this week. Oh yeah, um, is uh, Black Science number thirty-six, uh, written by Rick Remender with Matteo Scalera and Marino Denicio on art. Um, it feels like the end of this series is coming coming up soon, but I don't think there's been an announcement. Um, and also, it feels like a comic that Rick Romano could just write forever. Um, God, it looks fucking good. Mateo Scalera is just a treasure. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, this um, this issue featured like the the main character of this book, who's been reunited with his wife, but um, has lost everyone else in in their, in their lives. And uh, it's them in this kind of world in which they're like reunited with people from their past um like as an experiment i guess it's almost like a theme park that that kind of gives you what you want to see um and it and it it's a it's a sweet issue uh in which these two characters um finally i guess like make up and like forgive each other Ah, um for, for all their shortcomings and um i thought it was done really really well and um, I have got to give kudos to Remender for writing um, the the wife, his wife, um, not Rick Remender's wife, the, the main character's wife. And in my defense, I can't remember the, the, either of their names. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, her her dialogue is actually stronger than the, than the male dialogue in this. Impressive, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, so yeah, Black Science uh, still fucking great. And no one got a chili shoved up their ass. Disappointing. <laughs> um, did you read Prism Stalker? Yes, I did. Four? Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> this book. I love this fucking comic so much. And drawn by Sloane Leong. Um, and uh, it's a super crazy cosmic battle comic. Yeah. Uh, in which someone is taken from her home planet and uh, put in this weird alien uh, organism that she lives in and is trained to become a warrior. There are time jumps in this issue that I didn't really make sense of, um, but I didn't care. Yes. This just feels like a weird acid trip of a comic. It feels like a, an issue of heavy metal. Yes. Like, or it's like very woke. like um, like Brandon Graham's Prophet. Yes, definitely. That sort of vibes, but like insane, like gorgeous, crazy psychedelic art. Um, I love Sloane Leong. She could do whatever she likes as far as I'm concerned. It also has vibes of like... Um, Oh, what's his name? The guy who does all the really weird ones. Michael weird one. something. 
I can't think of his name. Anyway. Michael something. Yeah. Like, weird ones like what? Weird... Uh, like the one about ants. I don't know. It yeah. sounds like something that you read yeah. that no one else did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of Brandon Graham, I um, last night I finished the graphic novel that they released uh, collecting all of the Island series Pervert. Oh, that's on my pile. I'm so excited to finish it. That's an incredible read. Yeah. Um, we should definitely talk about that in the next uh, bonus Patreon episode yes, uh, of, uh, of gra- Serious Issues, where we review all the graphic novels from the last month or so. Um, you can find it, all, all the previous episodes at patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. For just a couple bucks a month, you get access to all of that. It's real yes, good. Please. Let's keep things pink and move over to another pink cover this week, and that is Paper Girls, issue 21, written by Brian K. Vaughan, Cliff Chang, colors by, uh, art by Cliff Chang, colors by Matt Wilson. Uh, and in, like this is the most difficult to review book in terms of saying what happened in it because every panel is a spoiler for what's to come in this series. Yeah. And also it's fucking crazy and harder to explain in the first place. Yeah. But uh, I'm still absolutely loving this series. And, Time uh, travel paper girls team up with themselves and eat from a uh, mystical tree of knowledge. Yep. It's great. Yep. And I liked what one of the one of the girls uses the tree of knowledge for mm-hmm. was 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 really sweet. Absolutely. There, there's your vague plot comment. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, brilliant issue best. of Paper Girls again. Everyone should read Paper it's so Girls. Good. Um, Isola issue number three or Isola? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Isola issue number three, uh, written by Brendan Fletcher with art by uh, and, sorry Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw with art by Carl Kershaw and Miss Miss Sassy K. Um, and uh, this is the really cool, weird fantasy book about um, a queen who has become a, a, a tiger and um, mm-hmm. the young young warrior girl uh, mo- helping the tiger travel from one, one land to another and uh, avoiding obstacles along the way. And this kind of was the more, more kind of trippy kind of spiritual mm-hmm. issue in which they enter a weird mystical zone some kind of spirit realm but man what a what a beautiful book holy moly really really beautiful i have so many bizarre questions that i want answered Mm -hmm, mm because i don't know what what is what the characters are seeing and what is not what not what's not actually happening Mm -hmm. but um man I'm, i'm loving loving it gorgeous gorgeous stuff um, Eternal Empire, issue number nine. I believe this is the second last issue of this series, written by Sarah Sarah Vaughan and Jonathan Luna, with art by Jonathan Luna. Um, another uh, crazy fantasy book about um, two young, a young girl and young guy from different tribes who escaped the slavery that their that their country has been put under. Um, and uh, turns out they're actually linked to these dragons. And um, there's a third dragon who is linked to this evil queen. And this sees. Uh, them kind of begin their final fight against this evil queen. Fun shit. Great. Um, one more to go. Looking forward to how this how this wraps up. Those are our image reviews. Oh wait, shit. Walking Dead. I also read up Walking Dead 180, and it certainly was an issue of Walking Dead, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. Another great review. Um, now we move on to other publishers for the week. Excellent. Um, starting with Koshi the Deathless, uh, written by Mike Mignola. And Ben Sten- so with art by Ben Stenbeck and colors by Dave Stewart. Um, this has been a, uh, a six issue mini series. This is the sixth issue um, about basically explaining um, Koshi, who is one of uh, the kind of one of Hellboy's uh, villains who's responsible for 
the reason um, Hellboy is currently stuck in hell. Um, but the two of them in hell, uh, talking with each other uh, as uh, telling Koshi telling Hellboy his life story, and um, it features lots of cameos from other Dark Horse, sorry, uh, other Hellboy characters. Um, and I would say if you are someone that's only read like the core Hellboy books and avoided the uh, spin-offs, um, this is definitely a book you should be re- you should have read, and you should definitely pick up in trade. Also, it's like a weirdly good kind of introduction to this. To Hellboy? Absolutely. Because it kind of shows you the kind of storytelling that Mike Mignol is so good at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but at the, to, at the very end of, like, you know, his, Mike Mignol has had like 30 years of writing his character now. So it's, you know, the best his storytelling's ever been. Um, this is fucking great. Yeah. Baba Yaga's a great character and it looks incredible. Stenbeck's a great artist. And of course, Dave Stewart, brilliant colors too. Yeah. Um, and it ends, it ends in a really creepy, mysterious ending too which is great hopefully we get more fun koshi tales koshi koshi is a fucking morning host in australia he sure is. i hope he's not deathless um did you read this final issue no no it's good Sorry. you pick it up it's very good Will do. um another series that finished this week uh is a book published by alterna comics uh and uh it was the fourth issue of doppelganger which is a book written by jordan hart and Emmanuel Zerk's Javier on art. And um, Alterna Comics is, uh, they put out basically budget comics. $1.50 gets you a, um, a, a, a great little comic by new creators p- um, printed on like uh, newspaper stock format um, with like kind of simpler colors. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, they've, they've cut the costs on, on printing costs so they can give you a, a story for cheaper, which I think is a really, really cool initiative for young and uh, up and coming creators. Agreed. And Doppelganger was about. Um, a kind of hopeless, sad man who um, one day comes face to face with his doppelganger. And in fact, it is like a demon kind of character who's taken over, who's basically copied his body. And he has until the end of the day to die or kill his doppelganger um, before the doppelganger, before like he basically, you know, disappears. And also if anyone from his life sees both him and his doppelganger in the same room together, they disappear too. So it creates a lot of tension from that while still doing a lot of fun comedy. And it ended on a really, really fun, like classic kind of comedic horror note. Um, it stuck the landing. It was really good. This is, oh, a, this, cool. is, this is a great series. Fun little surprise from Alterna Comics called Doppelganger. Check it out um, at alternacomics.com, I think. I'd be yeah, interested to see if shit. they put out trades. Yeah, I hope so. Printed on like cheap paper, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they, maybe they could give a deluxe edition. Printed on the backs of uh, reused Bibles or something. Siobhan, we've got, I've got three comics left here and they are all like 10 out of 10 comics for me. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Strangers in Paradise, um, volume 15, <laughs> issue number four, uh, written, by, written and drawn by Terry Moore. Uh, this series uh, kind of coming back after a long hiatus and leaning way more into the kind of uh, spy thriller part of this comic, which is not yes. what it's necessarily known for uh, to people who just try and describe this to new readers at first. It's very much described as a relationship comic. Yes. Um, and then as you read it, you discover that, that, that that's a much bigger part of it than you expected. Uh, but yeah, I thought being reunited with these characters would lean a lot more heavier into their relationship. But instead, we're, spy we're only shit, focusing... Spy shit, Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's incredibly high-octane thriller starring Kachu. I love it's it. It's fucking great. It's so good. It looks brilliant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's neither a hero nor a villain or competent, really. And it's just it's like this weird ride that, that we follow her on. It's great. Um, I tried, hope um, nothing bad happens to her. I tried explaining 
Strangers in Paradise to someone recently, one of the girls at Queen's, because she got the free comic book day issue, and she was like, I don't understand why anyone likes this, because it was just the first issue of the, like this current arc, and I'm like, well, that would be extremely confusing if you were just yeah, trying totally. to jump on there. Um, and it's hard to explain how, it's, it's not like reading anything else. It's well, and also like because I've recommended it to a lot of people now. It's it's one of my favorite series I've ever read. Mm-hmm. But the first two trades are nothing like what it becomes. And in fact, the first trade, the first four issues, it's like this bawdy kind of Kevin yeah. Smith esque comedy, which kind of ha- has some great character moments. But it, it's so much better eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's he's really grown as a writer and an artist with this series and. God, it's good now, but you've got to you've got to push through the stuff when he's not a, not a, he's he's uh, the best he could be. I'm very happy it exists though. Me too. <clears throat> uh, another book I loved this week is uh, issue two of Valiant High. Yes, um, which is written by Daniel Kibblesmith with art by Derek Charm, David Barron, and Simon Boland, with brilliant covers uh, by David Lafuente. Um, this uh, basically puts all of the Valiant universe uh, into a high school. Some of them are students, some of them are teachers. My favorite is uh, Coach Bloodshot. Um, I also love that the uh, Eternal Warrior is described, he's just someone that's repeated um, all the grades heaps of times. And yep. so he's called the Eternal Sophomore, yep. which is great. <laughs> um, and yeah, they play all the kind of like dumb kind of teen comedy, high school comedy tropes are here. They play dodgeball at one point. Yep. There's like, you know. Ninjack keeps saying that he's going to she's all that, this other dude. Yeah. He's all that. He's all that, sorry. <laughs> the guy from Harbinger. Yeah. Um, Harada is the principal. It's so much fun. And, and Livewire is kind of the main character. This is I love what this I want so from much. everything. I want totally. all comics to then also have a high school set version of itself. That's what I want. Yep, definitely. Um, but I feel like I've read ones where it's nowhere near as sweet and funny as this. Kibble Smith's a really, really great writer. Yeah, this was um, real clever. Yeah, so good. Um, and this is a, this is actually the, a, the the first printing. It's a, this is a if you uh, get anxious and want to read it all in one hit, it's all available digitally. If you want to get it on uh, Comixology, um, Jazz Maynard is the final book I'm going to talk about. Yeah, what, in the, what the fuck? That's not my final comic. I think my What's final, your final comic, comic? Was last week's Vampironica issue two. It's great. Yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> Vampironica is incredible. It's I so love good. this book oh, yeah. so much. The small I noticed that you uh, that you had a few wines and, and did a few fucking tweets the other night. I really out of character i was by myself at a bar <laughs> drinking wine and reading comics that's so good <laughs> i got hammered oh, <laughs> <was> really embarrassing <laughs> where, where did you go after i went to a movie with my friend but we went and had sushi beforehand so we had sakis and then i had wine in the movie as well and then i was just smashed on a monday when, gosh when did you start reading comics uh before one wine before. deep one well, idea, right? Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would have loved if you kept going, <laughs> reading comics during the movie and reviewing them. <laughs> um, so, Jazz Maynard, Volume Two, Number Five, uh, written by Roger, uh, art by Ra- Rawle. Mm-hmm. Um, the second, uh, second last issue of this arc, um, just an absolutely thrilling action comic that has like great character moments, and you wouldn't think, uh, you know, that that you read a European comic for action, but. Um, God, the panels are so dynamic. The choice of, I just like the the editing of this comic, and like the, like the choice of panel work to show an action montage, be it, you know, some close action fighting or an exciting helicopter, um, like montage. Fucking hell, man! It's so good. 
so good. Like, this is far and away like the, uh, one of those comics that I just like. If I'm ever stuck with what, what should I get this person who mm. gen who likes you know good stuff. action? <laughs> um, this is just it's so good, and like the the plot is really really interesting. There's so much kind of depth of character exploration as we kind of flash back into Jazz Maynard's past. Um, and and meet characters from his past that he's now coming back in touch with now, and these kind of like different different groups that are all trying to get the same thing. Because at the heart of this, it is a heist book, but there's just so much other stuff going on. It's so good. It's um, of course published through um, Lion Forge, who just always just do quality quality printing and brilliant books. Absolutely. Um, and Jazz Maynard is always the comic that I save till last because I know it's like my reward for getting through all the other series that I, <laughs> I don't don't stick with. <laughs> And what a reward. But um, Vampironica was really good too. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Brilliant, brilliant I think series. I should read it. Um, so pretty fun week of comics. And um, we've, I'm literally going to stop stop recording and then head into Kings and pick up the comics for, for, for the following week. Yeah. <laughs> the next episode. Woo. Um, uh, so I'm just looking at the list now. There's some pretty interesting things coming out. Um, there's a new Hawkman series. Um, oh, good. There is, uh, yeah. Pretty fun, right? There's a new Mark Millar series starting too. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> but but on the um, holy moly, Siobhan and and myself are going to love this vibe. There is a Marvel two in one annual yeah. uh, featuring art by Declan Shalvey, which yes, is super please. exciting. Yes, please. Um, there is uh, a new Nancy Drew book, which is apparently awesome, and the Gail Simone written Plastic Man series ah, starts next, very next week too. About that. Um, there's also a Farrell Dalrymple book coming out through Image called um, called Proxima Centauri. Looks interesting. Yeah, he's, I mean, his stuff is always worth checking out. And Jason Aaron's latest uh, Thor series starts next week too. Great. Oh, man, um, what a week. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of good stuff. Also, The Weeknd has a book coming out called Starboy. Good. <laughs> Look, looking forward to hearing your take on that. My teenage sister <laughs> will be very excited. Oh, and also it's the first week of uh, Brian Hill taking over Detective Comics. Yes, I'm excited about that. Me too. Lots of great shit. Mm-hmm. So um, we will see you next week. We'll be on time next week. Yes, please. Unless our kids do something fucking annoying again. Classic. Go Classic back babies. to your room and read your Spider-Man for dummies. <laughs> great call back to the start of the episode. If you want to find us online, facebook.com slash serious issues podcast or join our group. Facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast. Um, and uh, we're on Twitter as well, serious mm-hmm. underscore underscore issues. Siobhan is on there, Siobhan CBG. You can see the barrage of tweets she just spat out into the world the on Monday night. Um, give her a few faves, a few retweets. Maybe she'll get drunk and do it again. You never know. Um, and that is, yeah, Siobhan CBG. I'm at Levdog, L-E-V-D-O-W-G. Um, next week is a pretty crazy week, Siobhan. I'm going to be putting out a podcast every day. Oh, my God. Why? Because I, oh, I have five podcasts, and I just happened to realize that all they all tight they all teed up. So there's going to be serious issues on Monday, um, all the small games on Tuesday. Uh-huh. The Mitchin is coming back on Wednesday. Wow. Hey fam on Thursday, and wow. then finally after a way too long hiatus, old raps on Friday. So very very excited. What a um, week of lemons. If yeah, if you want to have a fucking week of me talking shit and playing music and talking about food and comics and. Movies and video games and whatever else I do. Um, next week is the week for you. Fuck E3. Next week's the, ex- the exciting week. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. And um, we'll see you next week. See ya. Serious, 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 serious,
podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.